This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for listening and watching another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast. We are once again live on all the different channels, Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, LinkedIn. So if you're listening on the replay on the podcast, on the actual podcast, which is another 19 channels, please connect on LinkedIn or Twitter uh, and you can see future episodes as we're going live. I try to do maybe one a week, uh, maybe a couple more depending on how I feel, but um, it is a great way to get that um, message out there quicker and everywhere. Uh, we use Switcher Studio. Trap One gets you the first month off if you're interested. Today's episode, I want to talk about um, diversity in marketing and also the African-American Marketing Association. Um, certainly, we have touched on parts of that topic before. Uh, you might remember a while back, we had the discussion about whether or not you need a college degree. Um, and the comment was made, you know, uh, maybe you don't, but you really do. And uh, this was, I, if I could remember his name now, but he was talking about you really do need a college degree just to have that piece of paper um, to, to um, you know, even get talked to. So today's guest is the founder of the African American Marketing Association, Michelle Ngomi. Michelle, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? Hanging in there. Definitely the beginning of the week um, as we're recording this, but uh, we got to start somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's a good Monday. It's, it's the great, it's the best day for you to step into your dreams. That, that, that is right. <laughs> step into your dreams. I, I love to say, um, live in the dream. And then people always go, oh, oh, which, which, whose, whose dream? Your dream <laughs> or somebody else's. Um, so tell us about yourself. Tell us about the um, African-American Marketing Association, what prompted it, and um, we'll go from there. Yeah, so Michelle Gomez, I'm based in Houston, Texas. Uh, as far as my career is concerned, I have a degree in finance, degree in marketing. So the first part of my career was in corporate finance. Fortunate to work with some great companies. So marketing I've been doing for the last seven years. I do have my own company, Line 25 Consulting. We've definitely made some pivots throughout the years. So right now we're focusing on the diversity and inclusion within the marketing space. I like to say I look at diversity and inclusion from a marketer's perspective. In 2018, I started the foundational pieces of launching the African-American Marketing Association. So we've been here since 2019, and we're really for the growth and development of Black marketers, creatives, and entrepreneurs uh, centered around a lot of marketing education um, for our professionals. And once again, we do have entrepreneurs as well. And just creating opportunities or bringing opportunities to the forefront is our main priority. Fantastic. And, and how do you do that? How do you bring uh, how do you bring those opportunities to the forefront? Of course, um, 
connecting. I mean, even the way we connected, I can't even tell you how we connected. I think I saw you say something uh, intriguing or smart on LinkedIn or Twitter, which which seems to be how most guests end up on here. And I thought, hey, uh, how, how do I get her on the show and talk about talk about the topics? So sometimes it's kind of like hit and miss, right? It's kind of like you luck into it. But how, but how do you guys do it? How do you how are you doing it uh, deliberately? I, th- I think that's been my whole business model is luck, right? <laughs> Just luck into it. <laughs> um, no, but for the association uh, or, you know, leading up to the association, my biggest thing was, um, one, I was asking myself, where are the black marketers, right? Where are the marketing professionals? Um, two, on the entrepreneurial standpoint was I was seeing a lot of companies, you know, offering RFPs. And at least here in Houston, it didn't seem like enough black businesses were getting some of the RFPs and they were fortunate enough to come under as a subcontractor. Um, Or sometimes people would just send me RFPs and I didn't do it because I didn't want to or, you know, whether it's time or qualifications or whatever. But at the same time, I would kind of share those opportunities, you know, within my inner circle. But I'm like, there has to be a bigger platform. And I I built my brand on networking. So it's kind of like, how can I um, galvanize people, you know, kind of create this community? Um, And it's it's been something else. Uh, So we do have a job board, um, which has been very beneficial, I think, for the companies as well as Black professionals um, that come across the job board. I think the thing, the main thing with the job board, it's not just um, people applying, right? Um, I'm developing relationships with these recruiters that reach out to me. So if you're like, hey, Michelle, I'm interested, I'm like, okay, cool, you know, and I'm submitting your name and your resume on your behalf. I think those little things definitely help and go a long way. Uh, so that's been the main thing that we've been uh, able to focus on within the past year. Everyone wants to move their content from happening to performing, and it's possible. Check out my latest book with the latest tips and tricks and advice on how to establish that content performance culture. It's possible. The book is available at contentperformance.online. How do you become a member of of the association? I mean, is there a membership fee or how does that work? Yeah, so membership is open to all. Um, Currently, we're still pushing our Project 100, which is the first 100 members can come in at $50 a year. They will be grandfathered in that regular membership is $150, which is pretty much standard with most professional organizations. And yeah, our website is aa-ma.org for more information. And I just put that up on the screen if you're watching on the live screen as well. Um, That's why there was a little bit of delay playing producer, host, interviewer, (laughs) cameraman. At some point, I am stretched thin, but I'm not complaining. Loving, loving, loving every every bit of it. so diversity, I mean, certainly um, there's a lot more in the news today about diversity and, and what do we do and how do we uh, move forward. And But tell me about what are you seeing that, that we need to think about and that, that we need to improve on? Yeah, I think the main thing is being inclusive, right? So incorporating, you know, people of all backgrounds, not just black people, 
but all backgrounds um, where it seems fit and making sure that those minority groups are represented properly. If you look at the data, I mean, Nielsen will tell you African-Americans, um, Asians, um, and I want to say people with disabilities. I can't remember as far as Middle Easterns right now. And even the LGBTQ, like all of these minority groups have at least a trillion, one trillion dollars in consumer spending, right? So just think about if you're a product, if you start marketing to these groups or including these groups in your marketing campaigns, your marketing material, how many people you can impact and affect, and that's going back into your product, you know, going back into your revenue. And so that's my whole thing when it comes to inclusive marketing, as well as making sure that you're hiring the right people within the marketing team in order to help you create these effective campaigns. So, so really we have two, two pieces here, right? It's one is um, the marketing campaign. And, and then the other side we have internally, uh, what does your team look like? And uh, maybe we can unpack them together here a little bit. And so first of all, internally, um, I actually do see huge differences when you have diverse teams. Uh, and sometimes that could be as simple as, you know, um, you have men and women, uh, you have people of different backgrounds, you have different races, but, but they bring different perspectives, right? They're, they have different things to offer. Um, so, you, you know, how, how do we get there? And I'm just thinking about, um, I, you know, I mean, I played football, uh, at Iowa, you know, certainly football, football teams are relatively diverse when you, when you think mm -hmm. about it. Um, you know, but Iowa is, I don't know, I don't want to throw around a number without um, looking it up, I guess, but probably 95% white, right? Um, maybe right around there is my guess. Um, so how do we, um, and then when I when I work in Toronto, for example, you know, mm -hmm. like I see, uh, I see very diverse teams, right? I mean, even yeah. when you just walk in, like you go to the airport, uh, and even like the, the customs officers on the uh, you know, in, in Canada or in Toronto, um, you already see a lot more diversity than you would see in Iowa. So how do we get teams to be more diverse? I mean, is it, how, how do you, how do you start? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work. Um, you know, I've definitely had conversations with a lot of HR professionals as well as marketing leaders, whether they own their agency or they're an executive. And, it, it, you know, it's, there's a couple of issues. Um, one could be location. Um, I'm a city girl, personally, you know, I'm in Houston, Texas, mm -hmm. used to live in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, so part of it is location. So I'm not gonna, you know, not say that is an issue. So, you know, part of it's so where is the concentration of black people, black professionals, right? Um, I think the second part is one or things are changing, especially with COVID. You know, a lot of people are working remotely um, still at this point, and they'll keep that moving forward. Um, I have spoken to some organizations where, like, yes, we're remote right now, but we do plan on going back to the office, which can be a catch twenty-two when it comes to finding good talent outside of your zip code. Mm -hmm. um, also, I think the marketing team has to talk to the HR team 
right? I don't think DNI efforts should only fall on the HR department. I think it's the responsibility of all leadership. Um, in this case, I'm a marketer, so I'm encouraging marketing managers and above to, you know, get with their leadership, get with HR and really talk about what does this job description look like? And more importantly, the type of candidates that you want to get into the interview stage. And companies have to create a viable ta talent pipeline. You know, so what are your partnerships with not just the school, right, but maybe the organizations in the school? Because it's easy to contact the career services or whatever. <clears throat> That's a start. But, you know, what are some of the Black organizations on campus? Or what are some of the Asian professional organizations that are in your area, maybe even on a statewide. And when you reach out to those organizations, they're going to be able to assist you with, okay, well, we have members in this area. Like, I have an idea of where my members are. And if I don't, I can go to that database and look. And I can reach out to that one member and be like, hey, this came across my email. Are you interested? Mm -hmm. So leadership has to talk and then HR has to create talent pipelines, um, whether that's entry-level, mid-level, or C-level positions. Absolutely. And you know, the one thing that kind of blew my mind right there, it's so interesting because I, uh, I've, I mean, I've worked remote for, for a while here, um, and I didn't even think about that comment that you just made until, until mm -hmm. you said it, right? Because you can, I mean, I've, you can build teams uh, just by having them be remote, right? So, so if you're a marketing team in Iowa and you don't have any diversity on your team, um, that is an excuse. I think that's what Seth Godin says to everything, right? Like when people just say that doesn't work, that's an excuse. Uh, because we're all working remote now. Why do we all have to sit in an office, right? I mean, it's like we're recording the show. You're in Houston. I'm in, in Marion. I mean, that's the new world we're in. So if you need different staffing, if you need different, if you need, uh, you know, uh, more viewpoints, uh, the whole remote, being remote thing uh, could actually play in your favor to, to get that done, unless you're going to hide behind an excuse of, oh, we're in, in white Iowa. We can't, hire, we can't find anybody. Well, because you're not expanding. How are you hiring? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's been the thing excuse me, anytime a job comes across my email, that's probably like my first question. You know, if I don't see it in the job description, you know, is remote an option? Um, and they're like, no. And I'm like, you know, well, you're in, I don't know, North Carolina. <laughs> like, like, um, and how far is that from Raleigh, Charlotte? Like, I, like, I don't know how beneficial it can be, at least among my membership, but it, it definitely makes it hard um, but, you know, these are the conversations that just allow me to become um, a better marketer um, for myself, because I am that first and foremost, and then at the same time, serve my membership. Very, very, very interesting. Um, I mean, it's always it's always interesting to hear those uh, perspectives. Um, and people can just go to, they can just drop your note at aa-ma.org, right, to get in touch yeah. and yeah. Uh, and go from there. Um, the other thing that, that was interesting is the pipeline that you mentioned, um, mm -hmm. you know, of talent. And what's interesting is I always like to hire um, different levels. And I always, mm -hmm. you know, at one point, uh, some people were saying, well, we always have to need, we need seniors, senior everything, senior everything. And I'm like, well, 
But if you have senior everything, like who is who is in the pipeline? And so one way that I always loved filling the pipeline, so to speak, is by having a strong internship program, you know, and uh, I don't know. Can you do you think you can do an internship program if you are remote? I mean, is that possible? And I'm only asking because I haven't done an internship program, actually, I think with a remote intern. They've always been in one of the offices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, you know, because you have to meet with them, you have to talk with them. It, it takes a little bit more work than, you know, um, you and I working together. So do you think that's doable to get the entry level person in the internship in, in that kind of setup? Um, yeah, one, I appreciate your comments as far as creating the pipeline and things that you've done, because um, it does take that type of open mindedness to at least get started. Um, internship, yes and no, right? Um, I think if you have the systems in place, you can plug anyone in that system, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yes to that. Um, no, or the downside is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, with the person being young and maybe inexperienced, you know, job and career-wise, it's hard to gauge that initiative, that proactiveness that they may have, right? Um, so. And then there's some a level of communication style that you would probably have to be more mm-hmm. proactive or reaching out to them. So it, I understand the importance of finding the right fit. I think you have to kind of do a self-assessment of like, okay, well, how much effort do I want to put into it? I think when we don't want to put effort into it, that's when we are looking for that senior person, right? Because it's kind of like plug and play you have experience. If I send this email to you, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're right. ready to go. Um, with the intern, it's probably going to be a little bit more hand-holding. Hmm. You know, it's interesting, too. You say the, the senior person, um, it, it's probably less hand-holding. And, and to some extent, that's true. But, you know, here's the reality I found with companies. Like, I know marketing. And I've done it in many, mm-hmm. many, in, in, in a variety of industries. But here's the reality of things. When you go into a new company, even though I know what I'm doing, like I don't know if it's going to work for that company. I don't know what their product is. I don't know who their audience, who they think their audience is. Don't even get me started on that. People thinking they know who their audience is. Do you know what I mean? So it is, uh, it's certainly interesting. Um, for the internship or, or entry-level employees too, um, especially when we have, um, we had Chris Kraft on the show uh, he's based in Atlanta, and we talked about text mm-hmm. communication only. Um, mm-hmm. And he says, you know, you can talk on Slack and whatnot. Not everything has to be a Zoom meeting. But mm-hmm. I also think for entry-level employees, if the boss sends you a Slack, I bet you they're going to overread the tone. They're going to overread, <laughs> overthink. Don't you think? It's possible. <clears throat> it's definitely possible. I mean... Look, you can have success with the intern and you can have failure with the senior because the senior might think they know everything and they're not, you know, adaptable. Um, But I I think, once again, it's a self-assessment, it's the systems in place, and then it's the communication style, right? Absolutely. Um, And sometimes it's better to over-communicate, right? Just just to make sure there's an understanding. But yeah, success can be there. You just, you know... Every look, I'm at a point in my life where like everything's just worth a shot. Like, <laughs> let's just try it out. <laughs> well, I mean, that is literally how you run marketing today anyways, right? I mean, is it working today? Let's do it. 
Uh, let's try it and, and see what works. Uh, but communication certainly matters. Uh, let's shift over into the marketing campaign side of things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, certainly uh, talk about that a little bit more. What are we talking about? How, how does the inclusive marketing campaign, how does that even look? I mean, is it just inclusive pictures or, or yeah, yeah, let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah, it can be a combination of things. I think I don't want people thinking like, oh, I'm going to stick this black person in there and everything is all right. You know, I think the biggest thing we've learned this year is that black people are not a monolith. I don't think any group of people is a monolith. Right. So your brand definitely like your brand is based off of your reputation and maybe there's a certain look and feel that your brand provides. So you want to make sure that when you are being inclusive, that you are selecting the right people that, you know, provide that look and feel like they're a fan or a product of your brand. Um, the second thing to be considerate of is the actual content right? Your tone. You want to make sure that you are using inclusive language. Um, you want to make sure that you, your unconscious bias or stereotypes are not coming out in your content, be it internal or external. Um, you'll be surprised on how often that can happen. You don't want it to make minority groups to feel like they're an afterthought in the sense that um, I think today's a good example is Indignus Day. Mm -hmm. I can never In, say that word. Yeah. But, um, you know, are you finding ways to acknowledge other ethnicities or all spectrums of diversity um, through your social media and maybe your web content? Um, those are the two main things that people have to highlight. Uh, stock images, of course, are becoming more popular and people are becoming more mindful of that. Um, if you can get original assets, that's always great, but you do want to make sure you're using the right type of stock images. Um, and a lot of organizations made brand statements in June, you know, and that's great, but it's like, are you living up to that? You know, are you following through on that? And there's, and there's many ways to do that. It's not just everything doesn't have to live and die by the marketing campaign. There's community outreach. Um, there's so many other ways to create an inclusive environment or to practice your DNI initiatives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so let's talk about stock images for a minute. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, uh, I use them on authenticstorytelling.net, no doubt. Um, but I use them within, within reason, right? I think about, is this actually the message I would bring across? I use them as a design uh, base, basically, for the most part, you know, add some other things, add a headline, whatever, um, calls to action, those kind of things. Um, and, but one of my pet peeves, Michelle, has always been, and I, I see it way more often than, than, I, than I should, is you go on the job openings page on, on a website and there's a picture mm -hmm. Uh, an all-inclusive picture, and every race in, in the on the world is is shown on there, and they're not even people that work there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's tough. Um, it, it's tough, right? 
And I think even if you do original photos, it's like, what's the intent behind that photo? Because lots of times when you have original pictures, people are just having a good time. Mm -hmm. They're at a networking event, internal, external, whatever. Um, There's no like, hey, this picture is for the careers page. (laughs) Like no one really (laughs) is thinking like that. Um, But no, you're right. I, I think it shows. I think even if that's on the website, people are going to social media pages people are asking friends people are going on linkedin um and i i I had this conversation literally two weeks ago and i'm like if people are serious about the job they're gonna find out right Mm -hmm. um that image helps but people will do that research and the further they get along in that interview process the more research they're going to do Absolutely. Um, so, but what do we do about the career pages? I mean, what about the pictures? Do we need to get, um, I mean, do we just need to get better pictures in the whole, like when you said networking, that's a whole other thing. I mean, networking mm-hmm. is what, like 0.2% of the job there. And that's like the <laughs> biggest highlight. And, and some, some jobs don't even do much networking, right? And I don't know if yeah. you heard the latest thing, uh, all these companies were doing um, uh, Zoom happy hours, right? Which is kind of weird anyways, because you know, I got to go get my own beer from upstairs to sit in front of the same computer I've been sitting in front of all day. Do you know what I mean? And and they don't do happy hours when there's no zoo, when there's uh, office time. So and, and anyway, but my point was, um, so the Zoom happy hour attendance has really slowed down across industries because people are just so tired of just talking to yeah. each other on the screen. Um, so how do we, uh, you know, how do we make those page is better or do we just get rid of the picture and, and if we do um what do we have to consider there no I, I don't think i don't think you should get rid of the pictures you know the pictures make it pop right it's like every favorite marketer <laughs> right it make them- it pop please make it pop <laughs> <laughs> no but i do want to encourage organizations just to be mindful right just to be mindful um once again yes the pictures are important <laughs> but also the content right? Um, Do you have ERG groups, employee resource groups? Are you sharing that information on your website? Are you sharing your, just your overall company culture? Is that being shared? And that can be seen through on the website. Um, I know those are things that I have looked at throughout the years. Um, And I mean, for me, I, you know, left finance for a couple of different reasons, but I still have the same problem when I was in the marketing industry as far as microaggressions. And I think what happens, and I'll say when I talk to my peers and other Black professionals, those microaggressions are still there. So when we are looking for jobs, we're just mindful about a lot of things. And I'm starting to hear a lot more stories coming from Asians and Filipinos about other microaggressions. So for us, it's not just, oh, we qualify, click, submit, you know, we are really focusing on what is the company culture and does the company even have a culture? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I always say, you know, we have, we have the best, best culture, this side of the Mississippi, according to our marketing department. Um, I mean, prove it. Uh, when you so I've I've heard that term. Um, I, I'm sure other people have heard it as well. Microaggressions. Uh, define what that is and how does that look in real life? Yeah. So microaggressions are anything 
where you kind of tease or pick on someone that doesn't look like you, right? That, and that's a very loose term. Um, they have noticeable differences that may seem curious. Like I get a lot of comments about my hair. Um, why don't I straighten my hair? Can I touch your hair? Um, I've had those things where you talk proper for a black girl or if I'm amongst my white peers and they're talking about black people and it's like, oh, well, you don't count, meaning I don't count because I'm not a negative stereotype or sometime, somehow I've overcome the odds <laughs> of whatever. Um, so those are some of the things you can get into stuff with the LGBTQ um, where it's like, oh, well, you, you know, you don't look gay or you don't look like you're transgender, you know. Um, we could just say ignorant comments overall. Unfortunately, at this time with the pandemic, um, I think Asians, Asians, Americans, they've been getting a lot more attention or they've been suffering microaggressions because of, unfortunately, things that have come from the pandemic, you know. Um, so I think that's a noticeable thing that's going on now. Those are probably, I would say, some that are the most common that I've seen across yeah. the minority groups. So, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i a pretty straightforward guy, Michelle, and I, I mean, I really am. Um, but but I would never imagine to go to anyone. I don't, I don't, it doesn't make any difference who it is and say, can I touch your hair? I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, it's why, why are people like, seriously, like, why are like, who? Okay, why would they try? Why would they think that's ever appropriate? But I, I think it's, I think it's just differences. Right? I think when you see someone or something that's different, there's a level of curiosity. And you don't necessarily know how to approach that question or conversation. Right? Um, me personally, like, I, I just believe in personal space. So I would never right. want to touch your hair or rub your bald head or <laughs> your beard. I have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, I, I definitely think things like I'm natural. I think things have definitely changed over the past 10 to 15 years. But there was a time where, you know, there wasn't a lot of black women that looked like me as far as hair texture, you know. I was the first to kind of make this jump. So there was definitely fascination for the lack of a better word around that. Um, but I, I think sometimes it's, you know, the, I've been asking this question a lot, like what's your proximity to blackness, right? And I feel like when you don't have that black person in your in your network, when you do come across this cool black person, it's like you have questions and you probably have questions you've been meeting to ask and then you just kind of want to get all of it out. Um, I went through a lot of stuff recently with, um, unfortunately, when George Floyd died, mm -hmm. um, one of my coworkers was like, I think we should address this in the newsletter. And I was like, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. um, and she she was like, well, what's going on? And I was like, well, I don't know. She said something and she was like, well, when's the next protest? And it's like, well, I don't pro like me personally, I don't protest. Right. So every black person doesn't protest <clears throat> or follow suit. 
Um, and I do believe I'm a servant leader, but I carry that out differently, right? Mm -hmm. There's other things that I did. I wasn't there protesting. Um, so those are just little tidbits that people kind of um, poke at. I think some people mean well because they don't know. And then some people, they, they are trying to hurt you or they're just a jerk. And how do, so a lot of, a lot, a lot of things in life are not necessarily, um, I, I mean, it's about how do you manage what, um, what you might, how you might react to a situation, right? I'll give you mm -hmm. an example. I'm very, very, um, you know, um, black and white when it comes to decision making, right? I either love you or I hate you. Like, like, and to get from one end to the other, that happens in like seconds sometimes. Um, and that can be can be a thing that's uh, not necessarily very helpful. So really, what I've learned in my career is I know how to manage myself, right? When I mm -hmm. see that coming on, you know, it's like I'm like, well, this person was a rock star yesterday and just too many things have happened. And now I'm like to totally uh, get rid of them today, even though yesterday I was ready to give them a 25% raise. Um, you, you know, like I manage it. How, how do people... How can they realize what they're doing? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, no, I think that's important. I think, you know, self-awareness is key. I think that's a big thing. Everything's not about race. Um, you know, I was struggling with that a couple of weeks ago and I left my job and I'm like, it's not a racial thing, right? There could be some racial undertones, but it's not a racial thing that's worth being magnified and, you know, me doing a lawsuit or whatever the case was be. Um, so I, I think there's definitely incidents where Black people have to check themselves and like, okay, this is a self-awareness thing um, and everyone else needs to check themselves as well. Um, I think it's interesting what she said because I immediately started thinking about when Steve Nash became the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets just a couple of weeks ago and there was some uproar or controversy about it regarding white privilege and I'm not the biggest basketball fan, but I didn't think that was white privilege. Mm. I'm like, this man is great career, all-star. And then he's been consulting slash training with the Warriors for years. I, I felt like that was the right move, you know, or I don't like, I don't know this man. I don't know his career plans, <laughs> but I just felt like that's a good move. Like, that's just a good move, period there's nothing else white or black behind it as far as race is concerned. And um, obviously the sports heads were talking about it, but I'm like, like sometimes it is what it is and that's it. Well, you know, on the other side too is the people who say things that could be, that could be a microaggression uh, mm -hmm. incident or whatever. How do they become aware? How do they, do you know what I mean? And and I I actually, I actually I can't give you the exact examples, but I remember back at when I was playing football, you know, and and there were uh, black players, white players, and I mean I don't know what the makeup was. I I think today it's like almost fifty fifty, maybe sixty percent white, forty percent black. Uh, but there were times when like a black player would say, "Hey, that's not that's not appropriate," or "This is how a black player can take that." For example, it was nothing like super serious but it was maybe it was maybe potentially an un uh unaware uh microaggression i guess but i mean is that the way to handle it or how how would different relationship too right we have a really close relationship 
Um, but how do you handle those situations? Yeah, re relationship is key on how you're going to address certain situations. Um, the incident that you just told me, I think that was handled properly. Um, if you have the wherewithal to address it head on, go ahead. Um, if it takes you a little while to process it, you know, I would definitely encourage you to at least initiate the conversation and be like, hey, yesterday you said this, I didn't appreciate it. Here's why, you know, not just, oh, I didn't like what you said, right? Because unfortunately, you know, one thing that has been going on during this time is a lot of Black people are saying they don't want to teach or they don't shouldn't have to teach and, you know, why people should read books and do their research. And there's some truth to that, too. But at the same time, if something is personally directed to you or within your vicinity and you don't like it, you should address that, right? And that has to mm -hmm. become a teaching moment. And I'm, I'm very big on mental health, so I'm all about creating safe spaces. And I think conversations like these is just an extension of creating a safe space. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Michelle, it was great to have you on the show. Thanks for sharing your insights. Um, in, in the show notes, we do have your, the link to your LinkedIn on the screen here. We still have the, the link to um, the African American Marketing Association, aa-ma.org. Uh, any other places people should connect with you or find you? Um, my first and last name, you can follow me on Instagram for the cool stuff, Facebook for the real stuff, and LinkedIn for the professional stuff. Well, I'm going to have to remember how to say it like that. That's a, that's an easy way to remember it. Um, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Until next time. Do you need help with digital marketing for your small to medium-sized business? Reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com.